action is the kryptonite to in to that stuckness that when you start taking action a lot of those voices in your head start to dissipate because they don't have time to give you all of the doubts and the fears and the concerns and the self-criticism and all of that hello everyone welcome to radically loved radio i wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired get motivated or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, 2020 is your year. Have you been dreaming of starting your own podcast? If you have, then this is the year to make it happen. Maybe it's an idea or something that you're really good at or something that you want to learn more about. Our friends Krista and Lindsay from the Almost 30 podcast just released the new Podcast Pro program to help you launch, market, and monetize the podcast of your dreams. Krista and Lindsay started Almost 30 in their closet floor while working full-time jobs in just three years. They turned it into a top-rated podcast with millions and millions of downloads worldwide. They've created such an incredibly supportive community and in Podcast Pro, they're sharing exactly how they did it and all the secrets they learned along the way. You can sign up now at yourpodcastpro.com to launch your dream podcast. You can also find more information by clicking the info button of this particular podcast and check out the link there. And now back to our show. Dara Brustein is an entrepreneur, coach, and an author. She's on a mission to debunk sleep when you're dead culture and chasing other people's definitions of success to build a life of your design. She is one of the most inspiring women that I know. She is such a vision of empowerment. She is so wise and so kind. And I was so excited when she agreed to be a guest on the show. We live in a time right now where we're dealing with so many different things. A lot of people are spiraling into anxiety, especially when we're confronted with uncertainty. In today's episode, Dara shares with us the importance of intuition, not only in business, but also in daily decision-making. She also discusses the process of self-inquiry and how this can help us in overcoming limiting beliefs. She shares empowering life lessons to confront uncertainties and doubts anything that's going to help us in towards our journey to self-realization. I am so, so, so excited to have her as part of the Radically Loved family, and I cannot wait to hear what you thought of this episode. Without further ado, here is Dara Brustein. Um, so Dara, welcome to the show. Thank How are you. you? What a generous introduction. Thank you. It's true. You know, uh, I'm so, I wanted to have you on because there's, uh, a long list of questions that I have for you, but, um, one of the most pressing and important things that I think we need to address is just the current state, uh, that we're in right now. Some of you that if you're listening to this, it's going to be a couple of weeks 
uh, post <laughs> post coronavirus, but as uh, well, hopefully it'll be post coronavirus, but it'll be post the actual recording of this. In right, exactly. So let's. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what the last couple of weeks have been like for you and what you've been focusing on lately? Sure. So I'm based in Atlanta. It's not where I grew up, but I've been here for 18 years and. I feel very grateful being a Northeasterner and being engaged with someone who was in Brooklyn when we met to be somewhere with some space and good weather and greenery so that we've been doing a lot of working from home, which we've done anyway. I have worked from home for 13 years. So actually been helping other people get used to the boundaries you need and the way you can carve out positive, productive space for yourself when working from home. I unfortunately can't talk to that with children. I have no idea how humans are doing that right now while they're also teaching their kids. They are saints, but we are working from home. We're taking lots of walks and hikes because here in Georgia, at least at present moment, that's still allowed with appropriate amounts of distance. So we are slowing it down. I joke a lot that we're sort of living an Amish lifestyle. Like we cook, (laughs) we garden, we walk. I'm also from the area outside of Philadelphia, pretty near where Amish country is, so it feels appropriate. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because for me, and the same, I mean, I when I'm home and I'm not traveling, I'm working from home as well. So it, it was that there was this like meme going around that was funny, and it said, "When you realize that your normal life is quarantine life." Um, I just thought that that was really interesting. So it sounds like you are really just taking this time to you know, be more present and do more things around your, your house and your space. Yeah, it's interesting because at first, I think like a lot of people, I had some anxiety, you know, we're planning a wedding, we're buying another house, we're doing all these major life things. And to realize one, from a personal standpoint, that all comes to a halt. And two, there's just such a question about the future. And will we be able to have a large gathering like a wedding? I own an events company. Will we be able to host those events in the future? Then we're thinking, you know, what happens to our companies? What happens to our future? But after a short time of wrestling with that and feeling challenged by it, I did a few things that were super helpful. One was to reflect back on a statement that this is going to sound super name droppy, so apologies in advance. But one of the things that I do is I have a video series with Deepak Chopra. And one of the things that he said to me in one of our first sessions was, Dara, uncertainty is the only certainty. And that was something that reverberated in my mind over and over as we got into the beginning of this crisis where I thought, you know, he's totally right. And there's nothing about the uncertainty we're feeling today that is actually any more uncertain than the uncertainty that is existing around us every day. It's just ever more present to us now. Mm. So I thought, okay, how do I lean into that? Because hilariously for me, the beginning of 2020, I start every year with a couple themes or mantras or adjectives that are going to help me describe and embody what I want the year to look and feel like. And my two words were surrender and spaciousness. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about getting what you ask for. So when I thought of those things and thought of what Deepak had shared with me, I thought, well, how do I really exercise that muscle to say, okay, how do I be comfortable in uncertainty in the time now that it's hardest in the human history of anyone who's currently alive and not just say, oh, uncertainty is a thing that I'm comfortable with when everything seems comfortable and within my control every other moment. So that's been one. And so to deepen some of my spiritual practices has been a really big part of this time for me. 
as well as to really hearken back to what I have always known as most important, which is giving and looking outside of your own BS at how you can contribute to other people. I think without question, the reason I was put on this planet is to connect people to people and people to resources to advance the outcomes for all of them. And so in this moment, I'm thinking, how can I give of what I have to give of time, of energy, of relationship, of connection, of money, of whatever, and do more of that rather than trying to hoard and hold and you know, be in that scarcity place. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're saying that because I feel like it's, it's such an important thing to, to know all the time, but especially in the moment that we're in now, because well, you said so many things. I want to actually go back to the uncertainty piece that you were talking about with regard to us needing to always have the certainty of things. We need to be certain that our partner loves us. We need to be certain that there's, we're going to have a roof over our heads. So we've got to be certain that our, we're still going to have a business to go to once this is all done. Um, and everything that you're saying about being able to go deeper into a spiritual space or a spiritual practice to remind yourself that that's your anchor and that's your core, right? So I'm curious, you, you do a lot of you create a lot of content for free for people to consume. And I, I love that you're always writing articles. You're always, prior to us starting to record this, I was telling her how I follow her on all the socials. And I'm, I'm always so inspired by, by what Dara's writing. And I, I always feel that whenever we put content like that into the world, it's, it's being of service. And so I'm curious for you, how has that, what's that process been like for you in a time where we really need to hear from notable coaches like yourself um, to feel that certainty? No, I, was, I wasn't sure if you're finished. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to continue to add on, but I'm like, no, that's, that's it. I want to make sure I understood your question properly. So you're asking, what is it like for myself or other people to be in a place of uncertainty when you're trying to help maybe shepherd other people to a place as well and give generously to them. Great. Wow. You just reframed that so perfectly. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the ironies here is I'm often on your side of a microphone. Doing <laughs> it. It's always weird to be in the other seat where you're the passenger. <laughs> but I think it's what you're saying. It comes down to that sort of fundamental idea that if you're not filled up for yourself, then you don't have anything to give to other people. And just actually the end of last week, I was struggling with that. I felt like I had gone so you know, headfirst into giving tons of free coaching and consulting to small business owners and double and tripling down on my entrepreneur clients and doing as much as I could to check in on everyone I cared about and loved. And by the end of the week, I was completely shot. I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm just spent. I feel like I have nothing left to give. I'm at this point kind of getting antsy and feeling like, ugh, like I'm almost uncomfortable. And that was this immediate indicator for me if I needed to go back into some of my practices and go back into some self-care to make sure I was taking care of myself so that I had extra to give from. So whether that's writing the articles or coming up with content, it all comes from that place. But part of the beauty is it's its own ecosystem that anytime I'm in those places of giving and generosity, I'm generally interacting with people who are thus helping me create the content because they're describing to me here's the challenges that I'm facing, here's what I'm processing. And then I'm able to be inspired to help put that on, out at a more global level rather than just a one-on-one, -on -one, not scalable conversation. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, I love that. That's a great, that's a great um, answer. Can you imagine if I was like, no, that's not a good answer. <laughs> that would be unique if you're like, that's right. a really that's, shitty answer. <laughs> that's, a, that's not good. Uh, no, I love that. That's great. Uh, just, I want to go back just a tad. Um, right now there's this, this energy in the state of the world. There's a frenetic energy and I feel like we're in a state of, there's a big state of fear. And I, I always talk about how we're either operating from a state of fear or a state of love. There's not, not nothing in between. It's either going to be one or the other. And so for you, um, talking about the current state that we're in coronavirus being on lockdown, you know, I'm in a big city, you're in a, a little bit less dense part of a city. Do you still feel the collective energy of what is happening right now? And if so, what are things that you're doing for yourself to practice self-care? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I was in New York City three weeks ago. So at that time, it was right before everyone was sheltering in place and at home. And I remember I was doing a live coaching session with my Mind Your Business Accelerator folks. So it's a group of a couple dozen small business owners from around the world. And it was the first time I'd come to one of these sessions feeling really heavy. And I just said to them, listen, I'm in New York and the energy here is so palpably down and fearful and, you know, just scared. And I could feel that. And so I actually went that day to my friend's place called The Well. It's this like really cool integrative place with like medicine that's Western and Eastern and spa treatments and energy treatments and went and got some energy work done. And when I came back to Atlanta, it was really about doubling down in the relationships with people who were going to help bring out some of the positivity and the love that you're talking about. It was making sure in my meditation practices that I was setting some intentions for positivity, both for myself and the world around me. It was understanding that you know, my vibration impacts other people's vibration, which then becomes this collective consciousness that we all are impacted by and that I, it's our independent responsibilities to care for our own vibration, our own selves first, and that that is a very selfless act, not a selfish act that often I think we mistake. And so for me, it's just been like simple movement every day. I know not everyone's allowed to get out and do these things, but you know, trying to get a little bit of vitamin D, trying to take a walk or take a hike or see something in nature. I've kept up a journaling practice, especially a gratitude practice, because while this is important every day, I think it's really easy for us to get into this Groundhog's Day mentality and think, oh, there's no difference or discerning demarcating things between yesterday and today and the next day, which actually someone was joking the week now is yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that's all that <laughs> they know anymore. But things like that where you find, well, I'm grateful that I am healthy, and I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head, and I'm grateful that my friends, even the ones who have contracted coronavirus, remain healthy. And like, there's always stuff to be grateful for, and it constantly reminds me to get out of my own BS and get back into the good stuff. And so it's actually one of my clients happens to be an intuitive medium. And she did a session with me and was telling me certain things where I was trying to deepen my practices of understanding how to connect with my spirit guides and understanding like how to find meaning in certain other things and looking for those opportunities to say like, what are things I can learn now? What are things I can appreciate and double down on right now? And they don't have to be complicated and we can do them for wherever. Like yeah. our homes. Oh, I love that. I definitely want to hear more about this. <laughs> because that's like, you're talking my language. Uh, 
I'm like, how many psychic mediums knew that this was going to happen? It's interesting because I, I did interview um, Jessica Lanyado, uh, Lanyadu, I think. <laughs> I, I, I always mess that up. Um, but anyway, she's amazing. I, I had her on the show. She has her own podcast. It's called The Ghost of a Podcast. And in January, when I spoke to her, she was saying that something big was going to happen towards the end of January. It was going to affect the whole globe. And she was like, I don't remember if she said it on the podcast or after we, we stayed on for like an hour after because we were just chatting. And she, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, she's a pretty powerful person and I, I believe that people are, there are certain people that are really tuned in. So I'm just, I'm interested in as to how much stock you put into it. Absolutely. I mean, the way I've always taken it and even what I've gathered from people who have those gifts, because I believe we all have them. I just think we've lost touch with them. Mm. So the people who both have them and are in touch with them is that you have to take it, but put, put it through the sieve of your own intuition. And I think that's the case for any sort of advice or offering from someone is you take it, you put it through, you decide, is this really for me? Is it not? How does it feel in my gut or however you make your decisions and let it be what it is from there? Yeah, no, I love that. And it's a, a perfect segue to my question about, business, which is something I wanted to ask you about. How much does our intuitive, uh, our own intuition play in making decisions in our business? Is it important? Is it not important? As a business coach, obviously this is something that you would know, like how much of that to listen to, how much of that we should just be aware of and we need to be more practical or is it, I don't know, how important is it for us? So I think the answer for me is it depends. Personally, it's huge. Like I make almost all of my decisions from an instinctual place mixed with a bit of data and logic. But I think for other people, it's strictly intuition, whereas others are so disconnected from their intuition and their gut instinct that they don't make any decisions that way. Mm. There's a gentleman I know in Atlanta, his name's Jeff Shinnabarger, and he wrote a book called The Seven Styles of Decision Making. And he talks about you know, that intuition is one, doing it for the story is another, data and analytics is another, and I can't remember all the remaining. However, it goes to say that there's a lot of ways to make decisions. I tend to think because I live at this hybrid intersection of sort of life and spiritual coaching meets business coaching, that when we are disconnected from our instinct, we're missing the signals and that our higher, like you can call it higher self, you can call it God, you can call it spirit guide, you can call it whatever you want, that we're missing that thing that is giving us the information that we need to make that decision rather than just throwing stuff against a wall or hoping for the best that we really have that inner guidance. And so one of the things, I'll go back to Deepak again. The first time I ever interviewed him, he told me this story of, I believe it was the president of Sony Worldwide who was based in Tokyo. And he had asked him, he said, you have this unprecedented track record for making incredible decisions for this business. He had basically never made any like bad or really disastrous decisions, which as a CEO of a giant global corporation is unheard of. And he said to him, how is it that you make your decisions? And, he, and the gentleman said back to Deepak, I drink an herbal tea and if I get indigestion, I don't do it. And if I don't, I do it. And basically what he was saying was that he's tapping into his gut and he's listening to his instinct to say, how does this sit with me and how does this feel? So he just gave a really, really understandable, concise way to talk about embodiment of these feelings and of making decisions. So 
I think that that's really important if we can all just quiet ourselves for long enough to say, am I feeling contracted, intense, or am I feeling expanded? And there's also a middle ground. There's, I don't feel anything, which might mean you could go either way, which might mean you're asking the wrong question. It could mean a lot of things, but I think it's important to tap into your inner wisdom and your body and these physical ways that are visceral that we often take for granted. What was a decision that you, have you ever made a decision where you didn't listen to that and what happened? How did you know that you maybe should have listened to that? <laughs> so many times. The <laughs> irony is, is I think we all have to repeat a lot of lessons, or at least I do, until we're like, you're a knucklehead. Why do you keep doing that? And so I think about like all my past relationships and why did I stay in those? Because <laughs> my gut was constantly screaming at me, <laughs> telling me, get the hell out of here. You're being treated really badly. But you often let your mind override those, at least I do, where I'll say, no, but this, or what about this, or I want to see it all the way to the end. And this is where you have a lot of those narratives based on how we're each raised. I was raised to not be a quitter. I was raised that, you know, you've got to see things through to the end. I was raised that, you know, the last person standing wins. And in some cases, those are really great frameworks. And those have made me quote unquote successful in business in a lot of ways. However, I don't think anything is black and white. I think there's shades of gray for everything. And that if you are only taking things at face value like that and holding so steadfastly to these ideas that may or may not suit you in that moment or may or may not suit you at all in general, you've just simply attached yourself to them because that's the way it's been. I tend to just be a believer that we need to question most things, if not everything, because at the end of the day, what's the harm? What's the harm in you questioning decisions, narratives, ideas, beliefs, limiting beliefs, anything, and at least coming to the other side of it with an idea of, well, I know I believe that now because I really put the thought into it, or I don't, or I'm not sure. And I think that's a healthier way rather than, you know, I see this a lot in people's career paths where, and I did this myself at the beginning of my career where we say, well, my family expected me to be this, or society expected me to do X, Y, Z. And for me, that meant check the boxes, go to a good school, get good grades, get a job that was sort of high profile, that paid well, that my parents could brag about to their friends, that sounded cool when I talked about it. But I was actually miserable when I was doing those things. And I was getting laid off over and over and over again because those companies were going out of business. And I was watching my friends run laps around me. And I'm thinking, why is this not working? And it was because I wasn't questioning. I wasn't saying, what is it that I actually want? What does success truly mean for me? What would it look like if I took a derivative decision in another direction? And that's when things really started to change for me. And I would venture to guess for other people, if you start asking yourself questions to get to the root of the truth behind it for you, not other people, what would that look like? And frankly, too, this is going to be a little controversial, but in this time of COVID-19, this could be a reset. This could be a time for people to say, I don't have attachments anymore. Now I realize that my value and my worth are not based on these external trappings and accolades and job titles and money, because for many of us, those things are going away. So what is it I really want to do and how do I make this a clean start? Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so good. The process of self-inquiry has always worked. What about for people that contend to overthink the internal questioning and they get trapped in the limbo state of not being able to make a decision. 
this is when I think the people around you can be really helpful with intention. So I went through this several years ago when I had felt this internal knowing. It was this intuition that kept saying to me, there is a new incarnation of your career on the horizon. And I kept ignoring it, thinking, I don't want a new incarnation of my career. I spent the last, at that point, eight years building my companies, finally enjoying the fruits of that labor. And I'm thinking, let me just coast for a minute. I don't want to start something new. But I couldn't ignore this intuition. It kept being this nagging feeling in my gut. And I'm sure that you all, you've experienced this and that some of the listeners have. So I finally started doing that self-inquiry that you're referring to. But then I started getting really stuck and thinking, well, could it be this? Could it be this? I don't know. Might it, might it be that? Or I couldn't do that. How dare I try to be that person? And finally brought in a coach who started reflecting stuff back to me. And am I allowed to say bad words on your podcast? Yeah, of course. Do it. So basically at one point, a couple of months into it, I'd been murking in this myself for about six months at the time. He said, Dara, you know what the fuck that it is. And I was like, huh. And I just needed him to kick me in the butt like that and say, you are staring it straight in the face. You're just too scared and chicken shit to actually approach it. So you're making these excuses and saying that you're stuck. And so one of the things I had also done during that time period and earlier in my career, and this is on my website, it's a free thing if someone wants it, it's what I call the nine questions to ask your network to help you find your path. And whether you use those nine questions, some of the questions are things like, when do you see me at my most powerful and my least? What's something you know about me that you don't think I know about myself? What's one hope, wish, or desire you have for me in the next 12 months and several other things? It helps the people, it helps you have a reflection and a mirroring back, which is the point of relationships in the first place, to the things that are either in your blind spots and or you're taking for granted because they come so naturally to you that you think, well, there's no value in this. And it's just something that you completely skirt by, which was the case for me with connection. I thought everyone can connect people. There's nothing to that. Then you realize actually there's a lot of value in it. And just because someone can doesn't mean they can the way you can or to your ability or you know, fill in the blank. So whether it's asking those nine questions to those people or putting someone in the arena with you like this coach did to kick you in the butt and get you to move or just hold you accountable. Or in some cases, I always tend to think that action is the kryptonite to, in, to that stuckness, that when you start taking action, a lot of those voices in your head start to dissipate because they don't have time to give you all of the doubts and the fears and the concerns and the self-criticism and all of that. So instead, when you get into action, obviously you want it to be intentional. You don't want to just aimlessly start going into action, but you don't have to always know the end goal because even if we think we know the end goal, often that changes anyway. But it's getting into some sort of intentional action, feeling out how that feels, seeing what almost appears as a possible next step and making each decision as you go accordingly. That I think is one of the best ways to get into that place. And then two, going back to that idea of giving, every time I have gone into this place of how do I focus more on others than on myself? Like right now, I've relaunched. Oh, hey, dog. I've relaunched. <laughs> I was hoping uh, you could I was hoping you wouldn't see. That's just... funny. We have a dog guest now for Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> every time I get into this place of giving, I often do what I call this give it forward challenge. And I do it in community. There's a Facebook group and a website for this if anyone wants to do it with us. But it's an intentional 30 days of giving to others with no strings attached. And rarely does that mean financially. It's how can you, it would be me calling you and saying, hey, what's something that's like a goal, hope, need, desire, challenge, something I might be able to help you with today with no strings attached. And you might tell me, I'll try and help you with that. I'm not a magic fairy. I don't have to guarantee or promise, but I will guarantee to try. 
And I realized often through that, that so not only do I recognize my own gifts and the things that people value and see in me through that, but how much joy and depth of connection come through offering yourself in that way, which are really powerful, especially when you're feeling stuck and in that analysis paralysis. But then lastly, when you put yourself out in that way, I'm such a believer, and this is a misuse of the word, but in the karmic retribution of giving, knowing that when I give to you and you give to person A and then they give to B and C, that eventually it will come back to me and that I don't have to worry about it. I just believe that that works and I know that it does anecdotally. And also if one doubts that, go read Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, which gives the science behind giving and why givers win in this world as long as they're not martyrs. So I'd say get yourself back into those lenses of giving because what tends to happen is that opportunities arise from those two. Someone will say, hey, did you hear about this? Or I heard about this thing. Or have you ever considered this? Or would you want to do that? And you'll just be shocked that some of the coolest opportunities will come up because you're putting yourself out there in a way, not seeking an expectant return. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that so much. I, I think it's such an important thing to be able to reflect on how we're showing up and how we're being of service and how we, the role we play in the community. So many people I know, so many friends are leaders in the space of health and wellness and everybody's always at the head of the table, right? And so one of the things that I always loved is I always like to put myself in the position. I'm, I will forever be a student. I'm a student first, right? That's, I will forever. And I, I pray that I continue to have that desire I always want to continue to learn. I think we're all, I mean, if anything, this time right now is showing us that it's the grand equalizer. We're all the same. Everybody's in the same experience right now, global experience. And so how can we put ourselves um, as leaders, but also as uh, people that are part of this global collective, this community where we can continue to help each other and create that ripple effect to have it return back to us. Um, I love that so much. That's such a, a great uh, a great point for us to bring our our focus to, especially right now. Thank you. So I'm curious for you, and I, I ask a lot of my guests this next question. Um, I always like to ask people about their biggest lessons, but not in the terms of like, you know, it could be in terms of anything, relationships, business. Um, and you don't have to go into exactly what that was unless you want to, but I'm curious for you if, and you mentioned earlier that you've had many lessons in business, or there's been a lot of times where you didn't listen to your intuition and, uh, you know, you had to learn a lesson. And I feel like we can all relate to that. But as far as, you and your the entirety of your life there's one thing that stands out as a big lesson that you learn and it can be in any category of your life what was it and what was the lesson i'd say two so i'm gonna cheat <laughs> the That's first fine. one is that you are good enough and i'm saying that to myself that was definitely always my achilles heel I, would, I remember showing up the first day of freshman year at college and my dad who would self-admittedly say he's not, his EQ is low. So he's not the person who would pick up on this. 
he said to me at orientation, I can see it written all over your face that you think you don't belong here and that you don't deserve to be here. And just know that you deserve it just as much as everyone else does. And I feel like that embodies for me the way that I tend to approach many situations, whether it's starting a new business, going into a client interaction, you know, trying something new, whatever that is, I tend to think I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. Who am I to do that? But I recognize at some point that one, where do I have any data or historic evidence in my life to prove that what that voice in my head is saying is accurate? And two, just based on the fact that I'm here, just like everyone else, that we have a birthright, that that makes us good enough and that we are here with purpose and meaning. And so one is to remind yourself that you are good enough and that any of those doubts and things should actually be things that can motivate and inspire you to move forward. And you can prove to yourself how much stronger you were than you even knew that you were by moving in the antithesis of the direction of where it is telling you to go, which is to stay stuck. And, and also to make yourself play small. And then number two is that you are your own savior. And I don't mean this with any sort of religiosity. I mean it in the sense of, I know from my own experiences that I was always looking for the person that was going to make something happen for me. When I wrote, I wrote a children's book on financial literacy a lot of years ago, and I kept thinking until Oprah comes and puts it on her favorite things list or until so-and-so celebrity comes and endorses it, this will never be what it needs to be. And, you know, insert situation, there are a lot of places where I felt like until that thing happens, I can't make this happen or make it a reality until I started to realize that's BS, that things happen in partnership and things happen greater and better in collaboration. However, you can't sit back and wait for that to come to you or expect that you can't do anything until that happens. Instead, you need to proactively move forward in a way that, you know, where the dominoes are falling, that goes with the current, you're going with the flow. It doesn't feel like you're swimming upstream and white knuckling yourself into something and not, you know, forcing things into submission. However, you know, bringing and inviting people along for that ride with you to partnership and collaborate because more can happen successfully that way, but to just remind yourself that you are the savior that you have been looking for. Oh man, that's so, that's so good. That is so, I feel like everybody can absolutely get on board with that. I can totally relate to that. There's definitely moments where I, I can say I've, I've felt the same way. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I have two more questions for you. And this, this next one is just the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm curious. I like to do this to people sometimes. Um, <laughs> what is your definition of freedom? Oh, it's interesting you ask freedom. Freedom is actually my number one value. And I'm very clear on my values. I think we should all be designing our lives and careers around the things that we most value. So for me, freedom, perpetual learning and growth, much like you as a perpetual student and connection are my top three. And for me, freedom is so much tied to time. It's freedom of how I spend my time. It's freedom of how I make decisions, which is why it's my number one, that I want to be in control of how those things are done so that I can make sure that they are aligning with the things that I value. Yeah, I love that's so good. Again, what if I was like, I don't like that at all. You're like, no, it has to be learning. <laughs> <laughs> what is, if you could teach just one and you're multifaceted, you're extremely adept at teaching many things. We all know this, Thank but you. if you could just teach one thing to every single human on this planet, what would it be? Jeez, that's like your hardball question. That's a hard one. Cause I think the thing that 
I would want to teach that isn't necessarily the most fundamental or foundational meaning. There's other things like love and self-care and self-connection that are important would be the power of relationships and teaching people how to successfully create networks and relationships that are fruitful for they and the people involved. Because I'm such a believer that nothing happens in this life without connection. And now that we're all seeing mass unemployment and all these other things, the only reason my companies are surviving right now is because of my connections, that I'm able to call people at major corporations and ask for sponsorships, that I'm able to you know, keep paying my teams, that I'm able to make the connections that other people are needing to find the jobs or looking for to do whatever it is. And that's what a network is. And those, that's the kind of thing you need to be nurturing and building outside of times of panic and desperate need. So I would definitely be doubling down on teaching people, sorry for that, teaching people yeah, how to us. build robust value-centric relationships and ultimately like how they can meet anyone they want as long as they're coming from that place of generosity. Wow. I love that. That's great. So final question. Well, wait, what would you teach? <laughs> oh, well, what I, you're so used to being on that side. I'm like, all right, next question. <laughs> what would I teach? Um, I, I mean, I'm such a, you know, spiritual romantic, you know, I mean, assuming that everybody, I guess I should prompt the question in a way, assuming everybody knows how to love, how to be kind, how to be compassionate. I would, I would just teach the importance of um, connecting to yourself, to your intuition, to knowing that you're never alone and that you are radically loved. I mean, that was really the basis of why I started the podcast. Why That's the basis of why I started my entire career was because I, I grew up being extremely loved, but the concept of unconditional love was elusive. And, and it was elusive because of the environment that I grew up in. There was a lot of gang violence. There was a lot of loss. There was a lot of chaos. And I just didn't believe that there was a God that allowed that to happen, that allowed people to suffer. I just didn't, I didn't understand how that paradox lived. And when I was finally, you know, having my spiritual journey when I was like seven, <laughs> you know, I was on this path, I, I felt something and I, I felt solace and comfort in the feeling of just being outside and, and seeing trees and seeing nature and seeing birds and knowing that if there is a force, it's greater than we could ever conceive and it is possible to feel radically loved and radically connected to everything simultaneously. And I feel like that that's, that's the basis. So I would, I would, I don't know how I would teach that. I guess I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. Um, that's your perpetual student dumb. Yeah. Um, I let you get one question and all right, <laughs> final question. Uh, and it's the basis of why I created this podcast is the idea that we are all radically loved and radically connected. So the question is, it's going to have two parts. I used to ask it this way and then I stopped, but I'm going to go back to asking it this way. The two questions are, the first one is, how do you feel radically loved? And the second one is, what or who do you radically love? Hmm. Okay. How do I feel radically loved? I mean, in some ways, it's just as simple as my fiance and his like unending amounts of love, even in times where I'm like, I don't deserve this at all. 
But also I think it just goes back to that basic premise that when you're connected with source, whatever that means for you, then you feel that radical love if you allow yourself into the current of that. And so when I'm in those moments where I'm actually like channeled to that, which may sound crazy to some people, but probably not to your listeners, that's when I feel radically loved. It's like to be here in this time, in this place as a woman today, like when you start thinking about all the circumstances that got you to be you in this moment, in this one blip in the you know giant spectrum of time, that to me is radical love. Mm-hmm. And your second question, ask that part again. What do you radically love or who do you radically love? I mean, similarly, I radically love my fiance and a lot of people in my life that I love. Like I am such a deeply loyal, I'm a Scorpio. I'm like a deeply loyal person who loves very deeply. And I think I also just like radically love in general, which is what you see coming out through all the stuff that I put out that I want there to be no boundaries and limits to, which is why so much of what I do is for free because you know, when you love yourself enough that you can then give from beyond that and you have these sources of love that you're tapped into to love yourself, it's like this whole food chain, you know, source, self, other, then you're able to share abundantly. Yeah. Oh, so good. Dara, thank you so much for doing this and for being such a, an influential innovator in the space of coaching and entrepreneurship and for just showing up and for providing different tools for people even that don't have the resources to do and to learn and for just being an awesome rad badass thank you that's very generous (laughs) um so for the people that are watching this or listening uh where can they go for more information the best place would be my website, which is dara.co, D-A-R-R-A-H dot C-O. On there, if you go to the freebies page, there's eight or 10 really great free resources. On the homepage, you can find the series with Deepak Chopra. On the articles page and interviews page, you can see dozens of interviews with well-known people on all sorts of these topics and beyond. So, so much free goodness on there. And under the programs page, you can see about working together or getting in on the accelerator program. Cool. Which I'm very curious about. So we're going to stay on after the podcast is done and we're going to chat. So uh, thank you so much. All of that information will be in the info button of the show notes of whatever platform on whatever platform you're listening to this on either Spotify, iTunes, and uh, including the books that Dara referenced, there will also be a link to those as well. Please be sure to follow her and check her out. And also if you learned something or if you found this podcast valuable please leave us a review and let us know what you thought share with your friends and thank you all so so much for listening thanks dara you rock thank you so so much thank you and thanks everyone for listening hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.